today on this episode of the People You Should Know podcast. You know, I live in a kind of a rural community in Texas where we might not be as advanced as some of the other bigger metropolitan areas. So a lot of the, the customers that I have that are local, you know, all of this is a bit magic to them, you know, and it's kind of fun to bring that magic to people where they can, they can get their business found in new ways that they didn't realize were possible. You know, over the past decade or so, companies like Amazon are just killing off mom and pop businesses. I don't blame right. Amazon for doing it. They're a business too. And believe me, there's probably an Amazon Prime package on my door right this minute. But it's really hard for small businesses to compete with that, you know? So I really right. like the, the idea of being able to help some of these businesses at least have some kind of foothold because we're not going back to the old ways of doing business, right? Consumers have changed. We've moved online. Everything we do is online now. And if businesses aren't, you know, offering some kind of solution like that, they're, they're in a bad way at this point. Welcome to the People You Should Know podcast, telling the stories of people you should know and allowing their greatness to inspire everyday people. And now here are your weekly hosts, Danny Ferry and David Farwell. Hey guys, welcome to the People You Should Know podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ferry, and alongside me as always is my co-host, David Farwell. Dave, how are you doing today, buddy? It's a good day here in Western New York State. Beautiful fall day. Glad to be here on another episode of this amazing podcast. So here we go. Yeah, man, here we go. And I am super excited because today we have the co-founder of the number one WordPress community called the Admin Bar. Kyle Van Heusen. Kyle, how are you doing today, man? I, I am absolutely fantastic. I really appreciate y'all having me on here. My wife is very confused why anyone would want to know me, but we'll just try <laughs> to prove her wrong today. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, listen, we, we need a couple more listeners. So after she listens to this episode, she's going to be convinced. We are going to There is zero little... chance. <laughs> zero chance. <laughs> she already has to listen to you enough at home, right? There is no way. <laughs> So for any of you listeners out there, if you've ever joined any type of like online group or community today, we're going to really talk to Kyle about the ways in which we can build those communities. And really, if you ever thought to yourself, hey, I should build an online community or maybe what it would be like to be a part of a community where there are like like-minded individuals, we're going to talk about all that today. Kyle's going to tell us all of his deep, dark secrets about how he was able to build the admin bar. And so, Kyle, we just really want to start off today by maybe getting a little bit of, of background from you. So can you tell us, like, where you're from? Yeah, so I am currently in Texas, just outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I've lived here since I was, like, in sixth grade or so, so, like, 1995 or so. Before that, I came from Southern California, but looking at making a big move to the East Coast next year. So as of now, Texas. Awesome, man. And you were telling us before you actually grew up somewhere else. Can you, can you tell us about where you grew up? Yeah, I grew up in Southern California in San Bernardino County. So uh, the Inland Empire there in Southern California. Grew up there, like I said, until I was in about fifth grade or so, my entire family moved out here to Texas. So I'd like to go back to California as often as I can and visit. I feel like I, I have some roots there. It kind of, in a strange way, feels like home, even though I left it so long ago, but definitely, definitely enjoy my trips out that way. Awesome, man. Well, one of the things that I appreciate, Kyle, I, I don't think you know this about me, but I actually spent from about the middle of seventh grade till the year I graduated high school in a small town called Mount Sterling, Kentucky. But I don't have an accent, but I noticed you do. So you picked up on the Texas accent. 
<laughs> I don't I don't hear it, but yes, people often tell me that. I don't know. I guess I just picked it up pretty easy. It'd be interesting to see if it goes away if I leave Texas, how long that sticks with me. I feel like it's it's pretty ingrained at this point. Yeah, when I was living in Kentucky, I had a pretty thick accent. I moved back to Pennsylvania, which is where I live now, and over, I mean, I've been back here now for, for double digit years and it's, it's pretty much gone. I think I have re, you know, like reabsorbed the northernness. And now we just talk funny. We talk like the Pennsylvania Dutch. So, um, there you go. so, Hey man, what do you like to do for fun? Oh man, I got three little kids. So if I'm not sitting here at my desk, it's usually doing something with the family. So there's not a whole lot of extracurricular activities except running kids to, practice and games and band events and all that kind of stuff. So I will say I do have ribs going out on the smoker right now. So that's oh, a very man, Texas that's thing awesome. of me, but that's, that's a good one for sure. I do like to cook quite a bit. So got a good dinner to look forward to tonight. Kyle, what is your favorite device to use to smoke meat? Well, I, I cheat a little bit. I'm not, I'm not so good that I can go out there and get the offset smoker going and tend to fire all day. So I got a pellet grill. So we can say smoked meat with an asterisk because, you know, those barbecue guys are really good <laughs> on you if you say you're smoking something and you're using, you're plugging it in, you know? So yeah, I just got a, I got a cheap little Walmart pellet grill and it is fantastic. It's idiot proof, which is good for me. And the food is fantastic. So I got no complaints at all. I'll let them roast me for it, but it's, <laughs> I'm feeling fine when I'm eating. So that's good. So Dave, I don't know if you remember this, but you actually came over to my house when I bought my pellet grill. Do you remember that? I do. That was there for the maiden voyage, man. Yeah. When, yeah. When the, when the Traeger came out, that was, that was a yeah. good day. Hey, listen, Kyle, don't let anybody ever tell you that you're cheating. You just, it's the whole adage of work smarter and not harder. That's so right. I commend you, man. No asterisks is needed. This isn't like Barry Bonds in the steroid situation. That's the only way that I feel like you can do it. And I don't know if yours has one of the uh, Wi-Fi connectors on it or anything where you can kind of know what's going on on your phone. You know, I, I didn't spring for all that. I, I get these wild hairs every now and then where I just want to get into something new. And yeah. about last year, it was, I want to start smoking meats. So I just, I, I've learned to just buy the entry level thing and see if I actually stick with it. You know, if a year later I'm still using it, then we'll look to upgrade, you know, but I'm yeah. still on the little kitty Walmart version right now. So none of those fancy <laughs> things, I got to go out there and, and check on it and all that, but it does the trick. That's awesome, man. Yeah. One time I was down at Ikea. This is like my, my like most favorite story to tell people when it comes to the Traeger, we pulled a, we pulled a pork butt on the, the Traeger and then all of a sudden we were like, oh, let's go to Ikea. And it was two hours away. So I'm down in the middle of Ikea, you know, in the warehouse, putting stuff on the cart, checking out. And I'm checking my phone. I'm like, oh, my meat's at like 135. We're doing good. You know what I mean? And then on the way home, I could be like, oh, let's just put this on warm. So it's like my favorite story to tell about my Traeger because, because you know, we're techie people, right? We're kind of, sure. we're all about our tech stuff. So I'm like, hey, my tech world meets like the meat world. And that's pretty awesome. Can you imagine going back and telling the cavemen what you're doing? Oh, I know. Yeah. They would be like, they would be clubbing me right there and then. <laughs> yes. You'd be in the Traeger before the day's over. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Kyle, do you have any favorite sports teams? I do. So I'm a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, which is a miserable, miserable thing to be. Every year we have our hopes up. We're, we're going to the Super Bowl. All the stereotypes of Dallas Cowboys fans. It's me, it's for sure, but I recognize it, I see it. It's happened to me again this year, but yeah, I, 
I kind of live and die on their game. So my family doesn't like this time of year, especially on a Monday after the Cowboys <laughs> lose. I'm usually pretty depressed. But yeah, I'm, I'm very much into that. Nice. Dave, why don't you tell the audience about your experience with the Ferry family in 2017 when my Philadelphia Eagles, baby, were winning that Super Bowl? This podcast is over. Maybe, I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. And look, man, the way it's looking, yeah. may, maybe you're heading back. I don't know, man. I don't know. Oh, man. But I don't want to jinx anything. But I will say this. Out of all of the away. professional sports, <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> out of all the sports experiences that I've ever had in my life, I, I will easily say that being with the Ferry family on the night that the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017, rakes easily in the top three. Watching, watching like gruff men, <laughs> bearded men, hard blue collar guys break into tears and, and and hug each other and jump around the room when 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 that when that final whistle went off. Man, what a what a super cool experience just to watch literally all of those years of disappointment, all the stigma, all that stuff just kind of like fall mm -hmm. off and just total celebration. It was, it yep. was really, truly one of the coolest experiences ever. You know, you know, this yeah. is your interview. You asked the questions, but I got to ask here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as somebody that waited a long time, probably for the Eagles to win a Super Bowl, it, the Cowboys won plenty. But I was little, like I was a little kid in 1995, the last time we were we were there and winning. My wife brought this up a while back, like, would, how excited would you be if they were in the Super Bowl? I honestly think I will be miserable for two weeks straight leading up to the Super Bowl, like sick, miserable, worried about the game, and miserable not enjoying a second of it until it's over. I just cannot imagine like being excited. I will be so nervous the whole time. So was it like that for you or? Oh, absolutely. Especially because yeah. we were playing Brady, right? We, and we yeah. had already lost in 2004 to Brady in a game that I think we should have won if Donovan McNabb doesn't get like sick on the field and Andy Reid isn't the worst time manager of all time. But <laughs> beyond that, you know, we were just on such a magical run that I actually just felt happy at that point. I didn't think we were that good of a team. Like, I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I want to be a, like, let's just capture that magic and just go. And so, um, you know, yeah, it was, it was kind of miserable, but it was not as bad as the first one in 04. The first one mm -hmm. in 04, I couldn't sit. I couldn't eat. It was like being in love, like kind of like the first time, yeah. you know, like all over again. I just couldn't do anything. So. And look, I, well, hopefully I, I'm I'll get gonna... to find out. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. And look, I, you know, I'm not trying to blow out anyone else's candle. But I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, have been since I was a little kid, went through all the misery of the late 80s and early 90s, and then the Cowboys took over. And here we are again. And man, I'll tell you what, every every season for me with the Bills is like just it, it's like a it's like a it's like a prolonged heart attack that just kind of <laughs> happens over a, a period of several weeks. And it just just about kills me, and then I'm back for more the next year. But well, how sweet would mm. a Cowboys Bills rematch in the Super Bowl be? That would be pretty good. A pretty good team. Only if it back. turns out one way, Kyle. It can <laughs> only right. turn out one I, way. <laughs> and that means that. you're going to be miserable, Kyle. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dave's theory. One of us is going to be right. Yeah. <laughs> 
So Kyle, Ooh. tell me a little bit about growing up. Like, what did your parents do, and like, what were some of the, the things that like they did for work and for you know a living? Yeah, nothing like anything I do for sure. So I grew up with living with my grandparents and my my mom. My mom and father separated when I was real little. So my mom worked in grocery stores mainly. My grandma was retired basically. My grandpa worked some in a in a lumber yard, but you know he was retiring when I was fairly young too. So really there. Definitely nobody in my family into technology or anything like that. Gotcha. I, was, I was the first in my family to do any of that kind of stuff. But yeah, definitely hardworking people. You know, we didn't come from any kind of money or anything like that. So there's definitely people that went to work and put in their hours and all that. And I'm definitely that way too. I'm sure that was kind of just instilled from a young age. Yeah, and I think that a lot of times when we're talking with people that come from like a similar background, Kyle, with, with parents who just, you know, were had had that hardworking ethic. <clears throat> There's a lot of things that they tend to pass down to us. And one of the things we really love to talk about on this podcast are some of the values that get passed down. So what would you say are some of the values that they taught you that you see influencing you still today in the way that you conduct your business and have developed even your online community? And I can think of some positive and negatives, so, you know, obviously <laughs> all, all, all the good things, the, the hardworking stuff, the, the being honest, all that. I think that's, you know, nobody in my family owned their own business that I was ever around. So I didn't really get any of those lessons from like the business owner standpoint, but just, you know, all those things translate so well, the honesty and things like that with customers. I know when I first started my business. I was doing it on the side while I had a real job, you know, and, and I was trying to cover up that fact to my clients and not let them know I actually, this is part-time and all that. And when I let go of that and realized, you know, honesty is the best policy, right? When I, when I kind of embraced that, everything got a whole lot easier. Clients honestly didn't care at all. None of them were worried about it. Like I thought they would be, and things got a lot easier from there, you know? So, you know, those are definitely, definitely some of the positive things. I will say my, my grandpa growing up was was my idol and he he's he, he was a funny guy he was a, a pretty fair guy but he would tell people like it is and i have a little bit of that in me too it, it doesn't really bother me if somebody doesn't like me or doesn't like what i have to say i will say it anyways and that can that can be a positive for sure i, I don't get my feelings hurt which is nice and doesn't really right. bother me what people say but at the same time sometimes i can be a little a little too direct with people and i'm sure that's just something i picked up on growing up you know yeah, absolutely, man. Can you tell us a little bit about your first adult job? So maybe not like, you know, you know, the, the teenage years when you're just going through school, but like your first adult job. Can you tell us what that was? Well, we'll start with the teenage one, which was a week <laughs> worth of training at Walmart. And then my first day on the job and I quit. So that, that was the first foray <laughs> into it. I'm like, I wasn't cut out for Walmart life apparently. But yeah, so after, at, not long after I graduated high school, I was playing in bands and stuff. And I, I had always grown up like, uh, I loved computers. I loved designing stuff. So when I was in a band, I was designing flyers and CD covers and all that for our band and for friends bands and all that. It was something I was definitely into, but for whatever reason, maybe recreational things I was doing, it just never dawned on me to be like, hey, you could do this as a job. Maybe I didn't have a good guidance counselor at school, but I had a, a buddy of mine whose parents owned a sign and like a sign shop. So they did yeah. big electrical signs and vinyl stickers for doors and all that. And when I first got in there and checked that out, I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing. You know, they had a graphic designer on staff. All she did all day was play around designing stuff. You got to play with the big printers and make stuff and put it up around town. And I, I loved it. And I was like, man, I definitely want to work here. They weren't, there was a small little mom and pop place. They weren't hiring, but 
I just started showing up every day and asking how I could help. I'd sweep floors, take out trash, whatever. They weren't paying me, but it was just cool right. to be around all this stuff. And eventually they did hire me on there and mainly to clean up and, and things like that. But eventually the graphic designer left and I was able to take her place. Hey guys, I really hope that you are enjoying this episode of the People You Should Know podcast. We want to just take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, Empowered Creative. In a world where there is so much competition online, being able to connect with your visitors has never been more important. Empowered Creative is very passionate about empowering businesses by creating conversion-based websites that connect with visitors. With their SEO strategy, they help people find your business. With their websites, they take people on a journey to connect with your products. And with their online video marketing, they create a positive reputation that puts your business over the top. So if you know a small business that's looking to stand above the competition, tell them it's time to be stronger and more confident. Tell them it's time to be empowered. You can visit Empowered Creative to find out more information at empoweredcreative.co. Now let's get back to today's interview. So Kyle, I got to ask this question because I'm, I'm really, this is where my mind goes. When you, you said you had these great big printers, you were the graphic designer. What was like, the most absurd thing that you printed on the printers or like, oh. you know what I mean? Like things that you did that were maybe, maybe nobody even knows to this day that you were printing. Oh, well, definitely lots of that. We were in a band. So there was, we had more swag and merch than anybody, right? <laughs> we, there, we were giving out stickers like it was candy on Halloween. So luckily our, the, the owner of the shop, I was in a band with his, with their kid okay. and they kind of let them do whatever. So we weren't sneaking around too much, but we definitely spent some late nights in the print shop, just kind of cooking up whatever we want. But we did do some really strange things for clients. So where we were is like a college town and you know, it's kind of a hippie-ish college town. It's an art school. And we had this guy bring in a file and he's like, I need this printed on a big four by eight sheet, which is a huge, a huge art project, right? So he brought in the file. I could just see the little thumbnail on there and it looked like a, a cat, like a digital, like a pixel art of a cat, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so we're like, yeah, sure. We give him a price. He pays for it. I go render the file. All of this is happening small on the, uh, on the screen. And we start printing and I'm looking at it and it's actually, it's actually a bunch of pictures of female genitalia, very small that you know, so when they printed out on a four by eight, they were maybe like an inch by an inch, maybe, but like thousands of them that it's like one of those magic eye things. When you scoot all the way back, you see a picture like a cartoon cat, but up close, it was a lot of nudity. And it was a, a very strange thing to see coming out of your printer when you were not expecting it. That is crazy, man. That is absolutely yeah. crazy. Wow. So tell me. You weren't expecting um, that answer. <laughs> no, I wasn't actually. I'm like, what do I do with that? You know what I mean? We move on. Let's just move on. <laughs> Tell me about the last job that you were working before you began to maybe start to get more intrigued about website design and doing more stuff on the online space. What were you doing then? Yeah. So during that 15 years that I was working, I, I worked at like three different shops moving around. The last shop that I was in, my wife finished up her master's degree and opened up her own business. She's a counselor. So she opened up her own counseling practice and was kind of doing that on the side while she still had a full-time job and was transitioning into being able to do that full-time. And the business stuff was always something I was interested in because I always worked in really small businesses. It, you know, there was 
sometimes three, sometimes five of us. It was not a big company. So when you work in a small business like that, everybody's got to kind of pitch in in different places. So sometimes I was doing accounts receivable. You know, sometimes I was installing signs. It just mattered what was needed that day. So I always was really interested in the business stuff. And when my wife started doing that, I felt like I could help her out quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I also didn't go to college out of school. So I went back to college, just a community college and got an associate's degree in business because I figured that'd be the most applicable. But when she started her business, I started seeing all, we, we had a kid at that point. I started seeing like all the freedom she had. It was definitely better money than she was making at a full, at, her, at a real job. And I was just like, man, I definitely want that. But I have 15 years of sign experience. That's basically all I knew how to do. And I don't know if you've ever priced out big eight foot long printers, but they're very expensive, six figures expensive. And we definitely didn't have money for me to invest in something like that. So I started looking at what options I might have with my skill set to, to start some kind of side hustle type business. And I had a a company or a organization that I was doing like some volunteer work for, you know, when you know, computers, people just think of you as the computer, you like, you can fix their printer. You can do all these things even though I didn't know yep. that they just said, Hey, can you help us with our website? So I said, well, I don't know how, but I'll take a look and see if I can figure it out and got in there and started figuring that out. And it, it all kind of just snowballed from there. It's kind of a blur at that point, but I started picking up some, some freelance work on the side and, you know, started that transition. Dude, that story is so familiar. We heard, I, I feel like you're this beautiful blend of Josh Hall and Hans Skillrude, like put in the one person <laughs> Yes, because like literally that's not, bad. that's not bad no it's not like i mean like you're almost like you're like the terminator of like of like online people or <laughs> online people that like i i know that i've met and that i have some nice online networking experiences with so that's pretty sweet man i love that that is really sweet and i and it just does bring up the question because here you are you know doing everything that you have going on right now kyle and it just makes me curious what what intrigues you most about the online space? Like what keeps what keeps your interest with it? What caught your attention? What keeps you interested after all this time? Just love to hear about that. Yeah, I mean, I guess at heart, I'm kind of a nerd. So those are fun. And if I can spend, you know, I, I spend, when I do have free time, it's usually sitting in front of a computer doing stuff. So definitely the the technology nerd side of me interests me. But you know, there's there's such a, because of the work I was doing before, which was basically marketing and advertising when you boil it down, but it, in the print form, there's such a huge difference between print and digital stuff. You know, I, I have to remind some of my clients sometimes that we're not printing this website. Like we can just go ahead and go live with it now and we can change it next week. That's the beauty of it. Right. And I think that's been such a, a fun transition from going from the print world where Believe me, there were days when I got back, you know, 10,000 business cards and there was a typo on them and I was not a happy person, you know, where in the, in the digital world, that's pretty easy to correct. And it's, it's fluid. It's always changing. There's always new technologies and new ideas. You can test things, you know, test this against that, see what does better. So it's really fun. And, you know, I live in a kind of a rural community in Texas where we might not be as advanced as some of the other bigger metropolitan areas. So a lot of the the customers that I have that are local, you know, all of this is a bit magic to them, you know, and it's kind of fun to bring that magic to people where they can, they can get their business found in new ways that they didn't realize were possible. You know, over the past decade or so, companies like Amazon are just killing off mom and pop businesses. 
I don't blame Amazon right. for doing it. They're a business too. And believe me, there's probably an Amazon Prime package on my door right this minute. But it's really hard for small businesses to compete with that, you know? So I really right. like the the idea of being able to help some of these businesses at least have some kind of footholds because we're not going back to the old ways of doing business, right? Consumers have changed. We've moved online. Everything we do is online now. And if businesses aren't, you know, offering some kind of solution like that, they're they're in a bad way at this point. So being able to bring that to people is, is definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, there's so many different ways. That's, that's one of the beautiful things I love about the online space is the diversity in which we can actually engage with people. And then you have on top of this, Kyle, you know, this online community that you've built with the admin bar. But I think that what I would love to ask first is like, when did you first start thinking about starting an online community? You know, we all have that transition where we go from like, we're in our own headspace to thinking about like, how can we, you know, how can we create an influence? How can we create community? And I would love to hear what that was like for you. When did you first start thinking about doing that? I started thinking about it about a week after I did it, which is basically my MO with everything. I'm very much a ready, fire, aim type person. So there was no master plan. Like if, if you're coming to me for like the playbook on how to, how to plan all this out and strategize, I'm just, I'm not the person for that. But honestly, it all started because when, when I started doing web stuff, I had no idea what I was doing. I, I didn't know how. I couldn't spell CSS. I had no idea about any of this. So I had to do a lot of education and I found YouTube channels, you know, and that kind of led me to, into some communities on Facebook, got involved with those and just was blown away for those, for those people not familiar with WordPress, the best part of WordPress. And it's not even close as the community that's around it. There are thousands of people all, all across the globe that, that use this piece of software and contribute to this piece of software and there are so few people that are protective of what they know. Everybody shares everything. And it was, it blew me away. I came from the print industry where, you know, if, if the sign shop across the street drove by while we were doing something, we'd hide it. You know, we didn't want them to know anything to get into the space where everybody was sharing everything, like every detail, which was mind blowing to me. And so, so cool. And not to mention like propelled me tremendously going from not knowing anything to having all these people's help. So getting involved with those communities was just, was so cool and meeting people across the globe. You know, I got friends in so many countries now, which is great, but being, being in those communities, I'm like, you know, I, I guess to add on to that, and I know I'm being long winded, I connect, I, I connected with a, a guy that does web design as well. He was actually looking to outsource some stuff to me, but we hit it off and we just realized that alone our businesses were growing but once we started like talking on uh, talking daily and sharing hey this customer needs this what should i do here and going back and forth our growth was just so exponential because we were learning from each other's mistakes right we were saying oh no yeah. i already did that that didn't work try this and we were skipping a bunch of those like really heartbreaking expensive lessons that we would have had to to do on our own so in, once we realized that, and I don't think we realized that right away, we realized that six months later or so, we're like, well, there's got to be more people that could benefit from this too. And it'd be so cool to get more of these people involved. So it was literally like, I think I called them. I remember the afternoon I called them 
and explain the idea of like, we should start our own thing with kind of this philosophy. And part of that was a podcast that went along with it to bring on other web developers and share kind of what they're working on, what they're doing and all that. I think I told them that afternoon on a phone call and the next day, everything was set up and we were inviting people in. So there was no master plan at all other than like, let's try this and see where it goes. And it's been four and a half years or so now, and it's grown quite a bit since then. Yeah, well, it certainly has. And, and you answered my next question. I was really just wanting to know more about was like, was admin bar your first attempt at building the online community? Was it always called that? Or did you have like a previous iteration of it? Was there any, <laughs> I love that you're like that, that ready fire aim person. We, we are kindred spirits in that regard, but was, was there a first iteration or was it just always from the start admin bar and it's just rocked out since then? Yeah, I mean, it's changed a ton, but that's been the name since the beginning. That's been the idea of the community since the beginning, for sure. But yeah, naming your community something nobody nobody would ever look for in Google search results has probably stunted our growth some. If, if growth <laughs> was the only, you know, people, people would be there for six months, a year, and then it will dawn on them to play on words because... In, in WordPress, there's a bar that goes across the top when you're logged in that says the, ad, it's called the admin bar and the admin bar being like a place, a bar you would get together and hang out with, with friends. Anyways, yep. people don't get that for a long time. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it all, it all worked out fairly well just by, I don't know. I know a lot of people that have to do all the planning stuff, but for me, it's almost always best if I just go with the instinct, go with my gut and then figure out the rest down the line. So what we do today is a lot different than what we were doing four years ago, but the same general principle is there and, and all started with that same idea for sure. Yeah, right on. So Kyle, I wanted to ask you, and you mentioned this a little bit, but how did people, so I'm sure at the very beginning, right, you said you invited a whole bunch of people. Once that initial flow of like friends, people that you knew, your, your, your network you already have, how did people start finding your online community beyond that? Yeah, I think, you know, all my experience is obviously with a Facebook group. So this could be different depending on where your community is. I'm not sure that I love that I've built my house of cards on top of Facebook, but it is what it is at this point. Facebook's probably still the best platform to have a free community on, like it or not. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I, I think the the first probably year or so was really just, I, I think the the... Biggest point is engagement in the community, right? So if if the community's stale, nobody comes back, nobody interacts. So for me, it was like, okay, how do I keep the conversation always moving? I'm a talker anyway, so that definitely helps. But it was replying to every comment, encouraging people to post things, whatever I could do to keep the conversation going. And so at that point, we were doing a weekly podcast. So we were publishing those things in there, having discussions. We started doing a thing called happy hour where we'd get on a Zoom call with whoever in the community wanted to jump on a Zoom call with us. And we'd hang out for an hour in Zoom and just, you know, we'd go deep into some like really specific topic. And then we'd get off on a wild goose chase about something silly. But it was a really good time to just hang out with the people, you know. So many people like me that do this alone in a room in their house, you know, if I go tell my wife something about the internet, she doesn't care. But to have other people around you that know what you're talking about, it have the same interests and stuff, man, it's really good. It's good for your business, but it's good for your mental health too, to just be a, like, have some people to share that experience with. All my experience working before, I had coworkers, you know, I had people around me all day. And when you're sitting in a room like this, it's, it's a lot different. So that was a huge part of it is just like having that purpose of like, 
having people around you, learning from each other, just trying to infect other people with that. So I think the word kind of just spread from there, but it was definitely the podcast and things like that, trying to do some kind of marketing to let people know you exist, have something to share, especially when you have a private community, people can't really Mm -hmm. share the content that's in there very easily. So you have to create something more public facing to kind of help draw people in. So that was, that was a big part of it starting out. If you were to like look back now, right? Ready, aim, fire. I think that a lot of us who are entrepreneurs, we kind of do that. And then what we end up realizing is that we then need to like figure out what we did that was successful because that yeah. becomes valuable too, like as we move along. So if looking back, what would be like the number one thing you would say was the most important thing that you did in building that community right off the bat? Yeah, I, I, I can answer this unequivocally. I think I think I know is there was no hidden agenda. Like there's so many groups out there where somebody has a product, they're trying to market it and they look at starting a group as part of the marketing channel to get people to their business. And you can just tell when you go in there, everything's about marketing this product. And it was just Mm -hmm. never that way in our group. Now we came up with some products and have some things to sell that developed over time, but we were never bringing people in there to sell something to them. We were bringing people in there to collaborate with them. And that was just, compared to most Facebook groups and communities, it's just a lot different. So not having that agenda there, everybody felt a little bit more at ease, I think, because they weren't feeling like they were being sold to all the time. And and still now, even though we have products and stuff, we're not pushing right, right. it all the time in the group. It's not, it's definitely not the main focus. I'm not making my living off of little products we sell in the group or anything. So if I think that always being the focus of like, building the community, collaborating with each other, helping each other out was always the focus. And I think that's really what's made it stand out from some other, some other communities and be, have the success that it's had. Have you had an opportunity to chat with some of maybe the early people that were a part of it at all? Have you, have you had a chance to chat with them and maybe ask them like, what was it that we were offering that you that like drew you in or that you, or that made this seem like this one, this was a community that you wanted to be a part of? You know, I haven't asked those questions specifically. I probably should, but there's, there's people in there that were in there from the first day we started the group and they're still active in there now. And my guess is if I asked them that question, it was not about the content or any of that. It was the connection with other people, the, the jokes with each other, the, you know, sharing, Hey, I screwed this thing up, you know, help me out. And somebody else jumped in and helped them out. Like all that stuff is just so huge. It was really like, we built the community that we needed for ourselves. Right. And there just happened to be thousands of other people that needed that too. So really, I think that was a huge part of it. It's like, I needed, I needed some people to help me out with things. And then, you know, I would turn around and help out the next person with whatever I already learned and could share with them because they hadn't got to that problem yet. So I think just that, that chain effect has worked so well in the community and, and the people that are most active in there, they're the people that are giving a lot more than they're asking, you know, and I think you get a lot from that. And anybody who, you know, I've, I've said a million times that I waste a lot of time inside of a Facebook group, but Honestly, you learn so much from teaching other people that if if you want to if you want to get really good at your job, start teaching what you do to somebody else because there's nothing that will humble you and make you more detail oriented and really understand the root of the things when you have to explain it to somebody else, you know? So I think that's that's huge as well. Yeah. 
That's for sure. And you, you just were speaking about this. I love how we're just able to flow from question to question based on your answers. Those are one of our favorite things that happens on this podcast when we're talking with someone that just kind of gets gets the conversation. So you, you shared about this already a little bit, Kyle, but what, what would you say the role of networking played in helping your online community to grow? Was it, well, yeah, let's leave it at that for now to say like, what, what role did that play for you? Yeah, I mean, a community is all about who you know and, and who they know, right? So we've, we've been, we've tried to be really careful. It's never been about how big can we make this Facebook group? Because honestly, if there's yeah. 100,000 people in there, it's probably just going to make it noisy. It's probably not going to actually help anything. So we've been actually, I, I, I could go back and look at the statistics, but I would say 50% of the people that request to join the group, we deny them access to the mm. group not to be jerks, but just, we want to make sure we're inviting the right people in. So I think it's, you know, to your point about networking, it's, it's the right networks, right? Like this, you know, like I, I know if you're in a hundred other Facebook groups, when you request to join ours, and I can see that statistic there, I know if you're in a hundred other groups, you're not going to be a super valuable asset to ours. It's just, I, I just know that, right? Mm -hmm. I know that if it's a female joining the group, she's a lot less likely to come in and start problems than a guy is. And I'm sorry, guys, but it's the <laughs> truth. They just start way less problems. So you, you kind of learn to suss out some of these things about people and just be a little bit more particular about who you're letting in because, you know, one rotten apple spoils the bunch, right? So we've been really, really quick to dismiss people from the group, ask people to leave or kick people out. So I think that networking mm -hmm. part's huge, but it's, it's not only networking, but networking with the right people that are in there for the right reasons, which, which I think really helps with the quality. Cause there are some really gross, gross communities out there, you know? <laughs> I well, that, can imagine, yeah, man. yeah, that's, that's the truth. I love that you brought, brought this up and it's been a theme from previous guests that we've had, Kyle, I believe it was, I believe it was Josh Hall that talked about that your was was that is that correct, Danny? Where uh, Josh talked about your vibe? Yeah, I believe I'm it was. Yeah, yeah. So you know him, him really saying like your 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 vibe helps you discover your tribe, and mm -hmm. I love what you're sharing here, Kyle, and just bringing out this this you know it's really a, obviously a value of yours to make sure that you're connecting not just as many people as possible, but truly having the right people in there, you're not just thinking about you, you're thinking about this community that you wanna build. And then you're saying, okay, what? how can I bring the greatest value to this community? Well, one of the ways I can do that is protect the community, make yeah. sure that the right people are coming in. And that's super important. I think you brought up a, a really excellent point when it came to that. But here's here's where, where maybe you could provide a, a helpful tip to our listeners is, is, is how did you, when you came up with the questions, right? People are coming into your group, they've got to ask some questions. Did you get a little bit more strategic with those questions to make sure that that was helping you to filter? Like what, what are the questions that you ask? How did you develop them? Yeah, so I, I've played around with those a bunch. I try to leave them for a long period of time so I can get enough data. I've never, they don't make an easy way for you to like export all the questions and answers you get. So you do, if you did want to collect all those, you have to kind of manually do it. There's some, 
extensions you can pay for and all that to do it. So, so one thing is just asking people, I'm trying to think of the, how I had it phrased for a very long time. It was like, what are you looking to get out of the community and what are you, what can you contribute to the community? So those two questions would tell me a lot about a person, right? There is confusion from people just because our name, they don't understand what kind of community that it's like a WordPress web developers community because the name of the group is not obvious to people. So you can suss those people out pretty quickly and, and know that they're not a good fit, but you'd be surprised. You'd think people would be better liars. Like if they were coming in there to just scam people, you think they wouldn't say like, oh, I'm coming in here to scam you. And they don't quite say that, but it's, a lot of times it's like, oh, I just launched a product and I'm looking for more customers. I'm like, no, I'm, there's no way you're coming in here. You know? So I think those two questions have been really helpful. Like, what are you looking to get and what can you contribute? And I think that also sets an expectation that if, if this, I don't know that this sounds right, but if we're going to allow you to come in here, I don't want to sound holier than thou, but if we're going to allow you to join this group of people, then we need to make sure that you are coming here to contribute something as well, not to just take, right? And I think the difference is it's not a community of my customers. It's like, it's my community of friends. Like these are the people I hang out with all day. Like outside mm -hmm. of the people I live with, these are the people I interact with all day long. So to me, it's a lot easier to kind of protect those people, you know, like you brought up because they're just my friends. Like I, if you, if you had your friend group that you went out and hung out with on the weekend, you wouldn't bring somebody easy into that group. Right. So it, it's the same principle that applies to, to the online communities. You just got to kind of be careful about who you bring in. Cause when we've gotten to the point now where the core group of the community, they understand the vibe, they understand how things work inside the group. And when there's something not right, and I can't watch 6,000 people's comments and, and all that all the time. I get notices, I get those posts reported, I get a message on Facebook or an email saying, hey, this is what's going on over here. I just want to let you know. So I almost don't have to manage it in that way anymore. The community takes care of that. They make sure that people are kind of in their place and behaving the right way and people will get called out if they don't. So it's a pretty cool thing to see for sure. Mm -hmm. Kyle, can, can you tell me a story? I've had a couple of these moments, but can you tell me a story about and I'm sure you have a, a bunch of stories, but just one that really sticks out to you about something that happened in the community. Maybe it was information that was shared. Maybe it was like a tutorial or something, but tell me a story about something that happened in the community that when you, when you got done or you learned that thing, you were like, man, I'm really glad that I'm a part of this community. Honestly, that's almost impossible to ask because it literally happens every day. It happens constant. I mean, this week there was a thread, not even about what this topic was, but somebody had mentioned there, oh yeah, if you use this tool, you know, it'd take a screenshot of every page on the website. And I'm like, I've been using that tool forever and I had no idea. So I'll do a lot of before and after stuff when I, when I re rebuild websites and I've been manually taking screenshots of every page. If you didn't know, Screaming Frog will actually take a screenshot of every page on the website, which is awesome. So there's, there's That's constantly cool. things like that. Yeah. There. So a couple years ago, 105 weeks ago, I only know that because all these are numbered, but we started a newsletter because one of the complaints we got in the community, and, and that's one thing I've tried to be conscious of too, like if there are complaints, like how do we build up a system to fix that, right? And so one of the mm -hmm. complaints people had was the best complaint ever is there's so much good stuff in here. If I don't come every day, then I miss out on information. So like, I think people were feeling like they had to be in the group all the time, that FOMO of like missing out on something. So 
I racked my brain on how I could solve that problem. So I just came up with a newsletter that would pick out some of the best posts from the week and give a little summary of what they are and link to them. So if you couldn't spend every day inside the Facebook group, well, then every Friday you're going to get an email with like the best threads from that week where you can go back and learn all these things. So that that scenario that you brought up just happens so frequently that there was, that yeah. there's no good one example to give you, but we've had our newsletter going for 105 weeks now. And every week it's full of things that, that I get replies about or comments about. And it's, it's definitely really cool to see. Yeah, man. I, I know that just for myself, right. We're both in the same industry. You're a website designer. I'm a website designer. And in the early days, you really are fighting with imposter syndrome when you're, you know, doing things and you're like, oh my God, like, well, how can I do this? Or man, like I shouldn't be doing this. Like, and uh, one of the best things about being a part of a community is when you have a question and this actually just happened in your community. Obviously I'm farther down the road, but I had a question about, I can't remember what it was, but it was about how a certain program works or how something works. And somebody asked the exact same question that yeah. I had had like earlier in the week and I had already solved it, but it was just for me, like, okay, I'm not the only person that had that question. It's like that affirmation and that encouragement to me that like, there are other people out there that are doing the same thing as me. We might not know it all and that's okay. Like, but being a part of a community, you don't feel isolated, right? You're a part yeah. of something bigger. And I think that's the biggest thing for especially website designers, right? We typically, we typically like work away from people, um, mm -hmm. for better or for worse, we're kind of isolated. And so we need community probably more than most people because we normally are working. Maybe a lot of people work out of their homes or I haven't have an office or whatever, but we're normally isolated. So having a community is, is really important. And you mentioned it earlier, the mental health part of it is huge. Yeah. Um, I can't even tell you. David and I have said this about this podcast. Like we have, we do the podcast and we talk to people and most of the time we're talking with like-minded people. And it's the same thing in the community. We're talking with like-minded people. And when we leave here, I always, I always compare it to football, right? You're like, it's right before the game and you're like ready to go run through a brick wall. And when I have these conversations with people, that's kind of how I feel. And I feel like in a community, that's kind of the same thing you're getting when you join. Would you agree with that, yeah. Kyle? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and you bring up the imposter syndrome thing. I think that happens forever, right? It doesn't matter who yeah. you are. I think you have a bit of that. And, you know, if you get in the right community or you create the right community, those questions can be asked without, uh, without people feeling too embarrassed, right? There's always going to be some embarrassment, but it's how the community responds to that. Thankfully, in our community, there's been a lot of very, very helpful people. I certainly didn't have the answers for people. You know, as the one who started the community is kind of the figurehead of the community, I'm not the answers person in the community. I, there's people in there that have been doing this way longer than me and know a whole lot more, and I'll be the first to admit that. So I've, I've never come into the group with like a position of authority, just I'm in here in the trenches trying to figure out like the rest of you. But everybody's mm -hmm. had that attitude of like, Ooh, I already solved that one. And they're excited to show the next person how to do it, you know? And it's just, it's, it's such a good way to grow your business. Like if you had to do this in isolation, I can't, I, I would be many years behind where I am right now because there's just way too many things, way too many problems that I never had to face because somebody showed me the way to circumvent that problem before it ever happened to me. Right. Or times when I might've gotten stuck on a project with something technical and been out a lot of money 
or time or whatever it may be. And it was a quick message in the group and a couple of people jump on and give me the answers or lead me to the right direction. And I'm, I'm on my way because actually introduced something that I think's awesome. And I don't know why they didn't always have this, but here recently they used a way inside groups that people can post anonymously. So the group, oh. the group administrators can see who the post is because I'm sure there could be some problems there. So I can see who posts it and I have to like approve those posts going in, but people can ask those questions anonymously. And a lot of times they're really just trying to avoid embarrassment. You know, mm -hmm. the questions yeah. would be something they feel like they should know, but they don't want to put their face to it. Now, sometimes it's, they're talking about a certain client or something like that. And they just want to be careful. And I, I get that too. Mm -hmm. I've got myself in trouble there, but, but I think that's a, that's a great solution to that as well. We've never had the problem of like somebody flaming somebody for asking a, a noob question or something. We have rules when you join the group and a, a pin post that explains like everybody's welcome here. It doesn't matter if you're just learning web design for the first day, or you've been doing this 20 years, like all those questions are valid. Not that everybody reads that, but it is a nice feature to have in there that people can post anonymously if it makes them feel better, you know, and, and there's definitely some, there's, there's communities within our community that are very underrepresented in our industry. So there's not as many women as there is men. There's not as many people of color as there is white dudes. Like white dudes like me are the majority in, in, in our industry. Right. Uh, and I think people that are a little bit more marginalized, they have they have trouble speaking up as much as, as others might. And I think fostering a community where that's okay is great or, you know, where they can speak is great, but also yeah, having yeah. that anonymous feature is great too. Mm. Absolutely. Man. I love that. That's, that's fantastic. It really is. And so Kyle, as, as you, you said, it's been about four and a half years. Is that correct? Yeah, I think, I think that's um, right. I, I, I lose track of time now. It feels like sure, forever sure. ago. It does feel like forever ago. <laughs> take, take our listeners through a timeline of sorts. You don't have to be like super precise or anything, but good. just through, through those timelines of, of like what admin bar was when it began and what it is now, like what, just take us through a little bit of a journey with that. Yeah. So like I said, when we first started, it was me and my, the co-founder, we were, we were really trying to find the podcast, the concept of the podcast was to find experts in the industry or people that were at least further along than us. And in my eyes, if you're further along than me, then you're an expert, right? You're an expert in whatever I need to know. But find those people, bring them in and pick their brain, right? And not only would we benefit from that selfishly, we're getting to ask all the questions, right? But everybody could benefit from whatever that is, right? So we did a ton of that in the beginning. That's, that's kind of fizzled out over the years. But really what we learned is just that community aspect was so huge, just everybody feeling welcome, feeling like they can ask the questions they need. Some of it's just jacking around. I'm going to be honest. Some of it's taco memes and that's totally cool with me too. Yeah. So it evolved over time, but definitely more community type things, getting together on, on zoom calls and stuff together. We did launch a, a product maybe a year or so into the community that did really well for us, not millions of copies sold, but it did really well for us that helped bring people in. So that kind of introduced the idea of, okay, we have something to sell too. It came mm -hmm. at a good time because I'm telling you 99.9% .9 of running this community has been awesome and positive and great, but it does take a lot of time. And there has been times I've had to sacrifice my agency work that pays me, pays my bills or time with right. the family because I'm doing something that I'm not getting paid for right now. There's lots of other benefits that aren't direct cash in my hand. I've I'm on podcasts. Like I'm nobody. I'm there's a million web developers, but now people are having me on podcasts. 
weird. Mm -hmm. and, and I've gotten referrals and all kinds of things because of just putting myself out there. But that introduced us actually being able to do some direct sales types things. And we've launched a few products since then. We thought affiliate marketing would be a great play for us. That was the first like monetization idea we had. And what we found was we just felt really dirty every time yeah. we were promoting something we didn't really know that much about or use or anything. So maybe about a year into the community, we, we wrote up a little document that was kind of like our affiliate policy. And it's very simple. It's like, do we use this product? Do we pay for this product? Do we like this product? And if we answer yes to all those, then we'll share our affiliate link and talk about it. If the answer to any of those is no, then we'll share and talk about it, but we're not going to use an affiliate link. So. We've had tons of guests on that were promoting things that I just didn't have a use for. So we didn't use an affiliate link. And then when we have something on that we, we do feel passionate about and we do use, and we do pay for, we use that and we, you know, we make a, a few bucks from that. So that's not a huge thing, but so, yeah, so that, that was the most of it a little over a year ago. Um, another kind of like the, the idea of starting the newsletter was from a problem people were having. Mm -hmm. One of the, one of the growing pains we had was now the group was, I don't know, it was around four and a half thousand at this point. There was so much, to, I, I don't know, there's 500 posts in there a month. There's 10,000 comments a month. It's a ton of content. Yeah. And as the community grows, it just becomes a little bit more disconnected. You don't know everybody there like you did when there was 500 people, right? So sometimes it feels like you're shouting into a giant room and it's kind of hard to get attention so to try to solve that for the people that were serious about like i need this i need some more one-on-one -on -one. i need some more like direct connections with people i started essentially what's a mastermind community um, mm -hmm. i just hate that term so we called it something different but we yeah, have, yeah. I have five I have five different groups of eight people and i've kind of grouped them by how big their agency is or how long they've been doing this or where in the world they're located. So we meet weekly, we do some accountability type things we, we share and all that. So a lot of what we do inside the group, but more formalized, it is a paid for thing as well. So that is, that has been a huge focus of mine for the last, I don't know, 80 weeks or so, Yeah, because I number those as well, but that that's been kind of a, a, a change inside the community too, is now there's kind of. There's the big community, which is great. And it's actually better for some things, but because there's so many people, it's not as great for more intimate things. So now there's kind of a premium version of the community that you can get into to be able to have that more direct connection with people too. So it's just kind of evolved over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I can definitely see the need for some more direct one-on-one stuff. One of the questions I wanted to ask you about maybe the future of online communities, because in our world, I, I hear people talk about it a lot, but there are a lot of platforms that have been coming out to kind of rival Facebook groups. One of them in particular is Circle, which is a lot of, like there's a lot of people that maybe I follow that I've seen move to that. So what are your thoughts on that? And why do you think a product like Circle might be, you know, getting a lot of, kind of run right now in the industry and what's your thoughts on circle so i've been a part of a couple of circle communities i think the platform's awesome i would absolutely move in a heartbeat to something like that where i felt i had some more ownership of it i really don't like that facebook can change the rules any day and right. my community could be gone tomorrow and i would have no control over that that does worry me. That does scare me. For the past few years, I've really hammered trying to grow our email list and get have parity between 
the number of people in our group and the number of people on our email list. So if I did lose contact th with them through the group, I could still contact them. I think the idea of moving our community to Circle or something like it would be absolutely fantastic. But I just know that the drop-off between what we have now and going to something else is going to be astronomical. I, I would be surprised if 20% of the people still showed up and stayed as engaged. The reason Facebook works is if you're already on Facebook, you're already there, right? You're already logging in to see the stuff on Facebook, right? So people aren't having to go somewhere else for this one thing. It's a part of something they're already on. Now, Facebook's losing users. Younger people don't really get on Facebook. And I've seen the numbers in our group. We're all getting older in the group. Younger members aren't growing like they were when we were the younger members. So the average age, I think, is going up. So I, I don't think it's on a great trajectory. I would not like plant my flag on Facebook for, for sure, but it's kind of where we already are. And I just know that the, the drop-off would be so huge that I just don't want to destroy the community like that. I could leave the Facebook group open and have another one, but one, I don't have time for that. And two, that kind of, that fractures the community too. That Then there's two camps and I don't think that's good either. So I've just not come up with a good answer for that. So we're already on Facebook. Everybody that's in the group is already on Facebook. So it's, it's just kind of is where it is now. Yeah, I totally understand that. I wanted to ask you a question about social media and communities. I, I actually, I didn't have this right now, but it's when you said something that, it reminded me because I primarily see a lot of your stuff on Twitter and following you on Twitter. So do you have a social media platform that you think is more conducive to helping build community? And obviously Facebook probably wins because your community's on there, but Twitter also doesn't have that ability to do that. So is there a social media platform that you maybe see more conducive to helping to build the community? I mean, for us, uh, this is like one limited worldview, but for us, it's definitely Facebook because all that community stuff is built in inside the groups. I'm surprised to hear you say that about Twitter because I forget Twitter exists and then I run over there and post a few things and then I forget it exists again. I've just yeah. never been able to like figure out the flow of Twitter. I always kind of feel lost there. So I'm terrible at that. And I really don't, it matters if you consider YouTube a social media platform or not. I'm not sure it feels like a... I don't get on YouTube for social media like I would Facebook or Twitter. So I don't really put it in that category, but I know some people do. And people that have big YouTube channels talk about their comment section as their community, you know? To me, it feels less, I don't know, less connected than our community and Facebook. It feels mm -hmm. more like a one a one-to-many conversation than everybody talking together. So for me personally, it's pretty much all Facebook trying to work on the YouTube stuff to, to get those numbers up and, and have some kind of presence on there. But for me, right. nothing right now rivals Facebook, but that's my, my one, you know, view on it. That's where I came from. So I just, I haven't tried everything to say this doesn't work for this reason. I just don't know. Mm. Yeah. Great. I mean, great answer, Kyle. <clears throat> we're going to, we're going to put you on a more of a hot seat question here for a second, get a little philosophical. Um, okay. Should Kyle, should every business develop some type of online community? Is that a every business thing? And, and why or why not on, on that question for you? I, I don't know. I, d I don't want to join my dentist's Facebook group. Like, <laughs> that doesn't sound interesting. So I have to say no to that. I don't know. I think it goes back to the reason our group is successful and We'll put successful in quotes, but 
the reason it's been successful is we didn't go out there with like, this is a marketing arm of our business or anything, right? This was friends getting to like, we just need a place to hang out and talk about these things together. Now that's happened to help. I know y'all had Hans and Donata from Termageddon on. They mentioned in their episode that something that happened with the admin bar was like one of the big pivotal moments in their business. And I, I listened to that and I mean, I wasn't quite on the verge of tears, but it definitely hit me that like, holy crap, this little thing that we just made up for fun, like really impacted somebody else's business and life. And that's so cool. It's had the, had the, the opportunity to do all that, which is great. But yeah, I guess that's off topic, but no, probably not every business, but I think if, if you're going in it for the right reasons and you do want to foster some kind of community, I think it's, it could be great, but. I think it just depends on what your intentions are. I, I don't want to join, I don't want to join a brand's group. You know what I mean? I want to join a group of my people. So if, mm -hmm. if you can make that, then I think you're good. But yeah, joining a brand's group just doesn't sound that interesting to me. Can I just ask a quick follow-up? Would it be, let me ask you like this. Do you believe that communities need to be industry focused or is it, or are they built more off of value focused? like? You said like you need to be around your people and a lot of times it's values related rather than industry related but i wanted to i want to know if if industry related maybe can work or if normally it's it's all about the the philosophies meeting yeah i think it can be both i mean i'm definitely i spend more time in our group than anything and it's really based around my work but i'm obsessed with my work and i think about websites way more than any person should so mm -hmm. You know, I'm just really into it. A lot of the people that are in the group are, are the same way, you know, so that definitely works. I've been in groups about politics, even though those can, woo, those can be crazy. Oh, man. Uh, but you know, that that's definitely more of a values thing, right? So mm -hmm. that can work too. That I wouldn't recommend that one though. Don't start that group. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think either of those definitely, whatever the common cause is, right? The common cause in our community is like, let's make our web agencies better, right? Let's figure out how to do yep. this thing and maybe quit our full-time job and start our own business, or maybe get to a point where we can grow our business, where we don't have to work in it every day. There's a lot of different people in the group trying to accomplish different things, but we're all, we're all kind of working on that same thing together. So I think you have to figure out what, whatever that common cause between everybody is so hard for me because we just, we didn't come into it with a plan. You know what I mean? It's just kind yeah, of, yeah, I get what you're saying. So it's hard for me to advise somebody on, I, I don't know that I could go start another Facebook group and it be this fulfilling and successful and have this amount of people that are enthusiastic about it. I don't know that I could go do it again. That's a very interesting comment, man. Yeah, like it's almost like kind of something catching as it's passing by, you just happen to grab onto it at the right time. Yeah, and I think yeah. too, it's like, it's authentically me. Like I didn't have to, put together a marketing plan to do this. I just went in and was myself, right? So that's, that's, you don't have to fake that. You don't have to come up with ideas for that. You just exist, right? So I think that makes a difference too. And like I said, that all goes back to intentions. If your intention is to like, let me gather a bunch of people together so I can sell stuff to them. It's just a tough, it's a tough sell to get people to join in for that, right? I know right, there's a lot is. of like, there's a lot of products that will like, especially in our, in our industry, they have some kind of software and they start a Facebook group for like users of that software to come together. That works yep. nicely. They already paid for the software, right? So you, you don't really have to sell to them. 
they're just all talking about tips and tricks on using the software and that works fine. But if, if the idea was to sell them the software, I don't think that would work. Nobody would join that. Right. Correct. Yeah, you're absolutely there. And that's what I, that's what I see a lot of times with online communities. And because I'm in, we're in this, we're in a similar, right? we're, we're in the same industry. A lot of the things that I see from a community standpoint is, Hey, I bought this plugin. Here's a Facebook group. When you have a problem, you go in there, you can search, you can talk, you can help other people out. And so I think this is actually like one of the things that I'm really trying to investigate while I'm so grateful that we were, that we've been able to have you on is can online communities work for more of the brick and mortar industries out there that aren't online focused? Because primarily what I've seen has been obviously, you know, we're, we're online based. So online communities make sense. But like you said, for your dentist, is there mm. a way that they can serve people? Because I think you're absolutely right. If you build a community because you're trying to make money, we talked about this in one of our last episodes. If you're in it for the money, it's not going to work out. You got to be truly passionate about it and you need to want to serve people. So if you build a community to serve people, can it work for some of these other industries or, you know, or different things that maybe to this point haven't been conducive to an online community. So that's just some of the things that I've really been like, I want to, I want to investigate some more and see if there's an opportunity there that we're not tapping into. I mean, I think there's definitely opportunities there, maybe not to sell to new people, but let's say you just want to, you rely on repeat business. You, you want your customers to become like brand ambassadors of your business, right? You want them to spread the word about your business. If you were able to get, if you have people that love your brand and love your business and you could get them in together where they could collaborate on anything. I think that could help build some brand loyalty. Like we're a part of this community, especially if like the owners of the business or people involved work at the business are involved in the community and helping people with whatever it might be. I think that could definitely work to build some of that loyalty to, but again, it's, you got to do it because you actually want those people to succeed and you want to help them, not because you want to sell something to them because they'll smell that from a mile away. Right? So if you're going into that with, you, you sold something and you want people to succeed with it. And there's a way you mm -hmm. can do that through the community. I think that would be great. I think about my wife's business. Like I said, she's a counselor. Mm -hmm. you know, she obviously hears about my group all the time. She's like, man, I would love that if there was like a group of therapists that we could do kind of what you're doing. I'm like, well, it probably exists, but there's so, there's so many problems in her industry with like HIPAA laws and things like that, where yeah. a lot of what they do is really confidential. You certainly want, wouldn't want to be sharing information about clients online and those kinds of things. So there are some hiccups depending on what the industry is. Right. But I think everybody, yep. everybody wishes they had that, but here's, here's the thing that I, I maybe is one of the side benefits, right? Like I didn't, I've never tried to sell websites to anybody in the group. I've done it for over four years. I have. 6,000 people plus in the group. I've never said, Hey, you should buy a website from me, even though that's how I make a living. But I've had a ton of people from the community write me and ask if they could hire me to build websites, right? Because they right. see me, because they know me, because they trust me, whatever. I've been there for four years. They know I'm not going anywhere. You know, I've never pitched those services to them, but they've come and asked me. There's a lot of outsourcing in our industry. There's a lot of times when you need to bring somebody else in or you have too much work you can't handle and you got to refer somebody else. There's tons of opportunities for you to work with your competitors. We don't really have competitors in WordPress, so it's weird for me, but there's yep, a lot of opportunities. Exactly. I think businesses are missing out on looking at their competition, like competition and not figuring out like, how could we all collaborate and help each other? So, I mean, at this point, 
most of the work that comes to me comes to me because they've seen me on podcasts or do videos or a part of the community, not because that was my goal or my aim or because I'm trying to pitch to people. It's just, I've, I've built a name online in this, in this community. So people think of me, you know, and that, that's a huge part of marketing is just being in front of people. Well, yeah, really, really well said, Kyle. And I love that the primary things, even though our, <laughs> our questions are not about, you know, web design for you today, <clears throat> we could have you on and that would be a completely separate yeah. conversation, right? But thank you so much for coming on and being willing to talk about this, you know, this online community that you've built. A lot of what we do here on this podcast is really help people to know how to connect with others right? So that we do know people and, and not only does that help us, but it helps the people around us. It helps to inspire us. It helps in so many ways. Life is truly built in such a way that we're meant to live in community with one another. And so I think kind of just wrapping up our questions for you today, I'd love to ask you what resources would you direct people to if they're interested in taking steps and building an online community? Are there resources that you found along the way that has helped you to build a better or more healthy community? What would you share in terms of resources with our listeners? That's a good question. I don't, I've never taken a course on how to build a community, so I, I couldn't recommend any <laughs> of that. I'm sure they exist. You know, for me, it's been a lot of like, how do I take inspiration from other people that are also doing this? So there's other groups within WordPress or web design or whatever, where I said, I love how they're doing this. I want to incorporate something similar, or could we collaborate on something, reach out to those people, talk to them, see if you can do something together. I've also joined a lot of groups where I went, oh man, these are all the things I never, ever, ever want to happen inside of our community. And those are valuable lessons too. You know, you, you kind of have to figure those things out. So I would say just being involved in communities would be a huge step in and see what works inside, you know, why do you keep going back to these groups and avoiding these other ones, right? Figure out what those are and you want to try to harness those things inside your own. So I don't know that there's a great playbook on that question. Maybe there is, and I haven't found it. I'll, I'll Google that after this, but yeah, I would <laughs> say just be, be a part of the communities and, and figure out what you like. And like I said, for me, it was very much like I built it unselfishly, selfishly, right? So like, I was just trying to figure out all these resources for myself, but not to keep them to myself, to share them with everybody, but it was just, here are all the questions I had. Here's everything I wished I had. So I think that's that's a huge advantage, advantageous way to go into it. You know, if, if you need something, there's probably thousands of other people that also need that thing. Yeah, man, I yeah. think that's perfect. I mean, perfectly summarized. Kyle, you have given like a lot of your experiences to us today really shed light on building an online community. I want to just give you a couple of seconds to share about the website designers playbook and tell people where they could find that if they're interested in it. That one, I don't know about, but the website owner's manual, I can tell you about that Oh my that gosh, one. I'm so sorry, dude. <laughs> you're, I, good. <laughs> you're good. I just I wanted to call you out on it a little bit. No, you're good. It doesn't matter. So yeah, so I mentioned earlier when you were asking kind of about the timeline of the group, the first product we really made was, again, stemming from a problem in, in web design, in, in WordPress. A lot of the problems with WordPress is that it constantly has to be maintained, right? So plugins have to be updated, software has to be kept running, servers have to be maintained, all this. It's a lot of work, especially for somebody that's non-techie. So part of the challenge is 
explaining to your customers that, yes, I'm going to sell you this website and it's going to be wonderful, but it's also going to need to be massaged a lot and forever, mm -hmm. right? That's, it can be a tough sell. And so a lot of people think that once they build it, they'll never have to touch it again. Everything will be fine. So we were having trouble, me and my co-host were having trouble figuring out like, how do we explain to the non-techie person, everything that's involved with maintaining this website going forward and in in doing so kind of part education and part sales. So we came up with what we call the website owner's manual, which is basically a document you hand off to clients when you're done building their WordPress website that outlines everything that needs to be kept up with on the website in order for it to succeed. To make it a little bit more persuasive, we include kind of like a checklist type thing in there that says, okay, who's going to be responsible for updating the plugins at least once a week? And they need to fill that in. Who's going to be responsible for testing the backups? Who's going to be responsible for this and that? And the idea is you hand that to them as a gift, as an education piece to say, hey, here's everything that's got to be done. You need to go through here and figure out who on your team is going to do all of these things. 99% of the time they go, holy crap, I didn't realize all those things had to be done. Can you help me with this? And you say, yeah, absolutely. I have a plan. You know, you can sign up for it here. We'll do all of these things and more for you. So it's been a really, really handy tool in my business. We have, I don't know, over 3000 people, 4,000 people using it now. It's just, it's a really nice way to sell something without having to be salesy. I'm not a salesperson. I'm Right. Uh, sales is kind of gross, but it, it just lays out the facts for them and says, okay, well, if you're, if you're not going to hire me to do this, here are all the things you need to do. And typically custom clients see that and, and reconsider. So it's been, been great for growing my recurring revenue, which is the only reason I'm still in business now. Awesome. Kyle, where can they find that manual? I'm going to say it right. Yeah, the manual. You got, you got it. So they can go to theadminbar.com and there's a big button there, theadminbar.com forward slash W-O-M. We call it the WOM for website owner's manual. So you can go check it out there. Fantastic. Dave, do you have any last comments you'd like to make before we let Kyle go? You know, you know, I think the only thing I would say, Kyle, is one tremendous pleasure to meet you. It was, it was fun stalking you a little bit before uh, before our <laughs> podcast episode to get to know you a little bit before actually meeting you but i just want to congratulate you on everything that you're doing to build such a wonderful community for those who are in the wordpress space thank you for all the people that you're helping and it's been a tremendous pleasure to introduce you to our community today and uh, we just uh, we just wish you all the the further success as you continue to grow well, I appreciate that. And good luck to the Bills and as much as it pains me, the Eagles, until playoff time and then screw both of y'all. <laughs> That's right. Gloves are <laughs> off at that point. Yeah. It's like, Kyle, you don't have to lie. We all know how we know how we feel. It's okay. We can still be friends <laughs> and separate teams, man. I've had to had to learn to do that in a lot of different circumstances. So uh, well, worry, you, you gotta be able to understand why people hate Philadelphia. And I know I know why people hate Dallas, so we're good on that. <laughs> Absolutely. So Kyle, thanks so much for being on here. This is the, this is Kyle comes from the Hans Skillroot network, referred him to us. So he is the first referral that we got from Hans. So super pumped that Kyle was on with us today. And ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Van Houston is definitely a person that you should know. Thanks for joining us this week on the People You Should Know podcast. A very special thank you to today's guests for sharing their journey with us. 
If you have been listening to the podcast and have really been enjoying it, would you consider giving our show a five-star rating or leaving a review? If you are on a platform that allows you to do that, leaving us a review will help other people to discover our content and could be the difference in them making the connections they need to unlock their greatest potential. More importantly, we want to hear from our fans and would love your feedback so we know how our show is inspiring you to chase your dreams. Also, if you are not getting email alerts when new episodes are released, be sure to sign up today. You can do that by going to heydoyouknow.com and putting your email right there in the episode alerts box. Once again, thank you for joining the People You Should Know podcast. We hope that today's episode has inspired you to connect with others and unlock your greatness. Thanks for listening to the People You Should Know podcast. Do you know somebody amazing? Do you wish everyone knew about them? We can't wait to hear from you. Drop by one of our social pages and send us a message with your nominee to be a featured guest on People You Should Know.